So good to see all of you here, and I'm confident that the Lord has a, uh, an encouraging word for you, and also a challenging word for you. Uh, one of those messages that are so pointed and uh, have my toes stepped on all week long in my studies, I say, Lord, do I really have to give this message? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do, you do. And uh, so I'm, I'm hoping and praying that as we enter into this conversation from Esther chapter 7, uh, that our hearts and our minds are in such a place uh, that we would be willing to receive uh, what I believe uh, God has for us and allow it to have its work, whatever it looks like. Um, we are in uh, uh, chapter 7, I think I let you know that already, and I encourage you, you may be visiting today, you may have missed some of the weeks in this series, they're all online, uh, so you can listen to them and, and uh, catch up uh, to where we are, but I'll give a, uh, a brief little synopsis here in just a second. Uh, I was thinking this past week in my, my studies and reading of uh, a, a moment in time about 34-ish and a half years ago, I was sitting uh, at my future in-law's table, hands ringing, I'm sweating profusely, there's a fan on the table blowing on me as I'm sitting there, because ah, ah, ah. you see what was going on was my future wife and her sister were on a scavenger hunt that I had put together for them to do, leading to different places that uh, she and I had been during our dating and courtship and all of that. And uh, I had a cover story, and her sister was awesome, and she was all in on it. And uh, while they were out, I was at the house. I told you that state I was in. I had hung this huge sign on their house. Mandy, will you marry me forever, you know? And, well, that attracts some attention. So here's the neighborhood now in on the deal. And they're all there, and they're gathering in the sign, and... And I'm just sitting in the, <laughs> where's the, this is killing me, you know? And finally, they, they pull in, and she's looking at the sign, and she's all confused. She doesn't know what's what, what? And I, and I come up to her, and I had a tie on and everything, and, and I handed her this little box, and she opened it up, and it was empty, and she goes, this isn't a funny joke. <laughs> I said, wait, 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 before you hit me with it. What was the last clue? What was the last clue? Oh, it was to the tree in the backyard. Yeah, okay. So we go to the tree, and there is hanging, hanging, you know, and kind of blowing in the wind there was this little ring. And it's our ring. And it was there shining, and she saw it, and I got down on my knee. I'm in the backyard, and... And it's this moment of truth. I'm ready. I'm just, oh, hey, Mandy. Will you? you marry? Will you marry me? And then there was like this, there's like two, three seconds. You know those two, three seconds that feel like two, three years? It was one of those. And I'm sitting there. I'm on my knee. And it's dead quiet. The neighbors are looking over the fence. What? I was like, hey, 
it's, I'm thinking to myself, it's time to say something, you know? Something would be nice. I'm here. What are you going to say? And she looks at me and she says, you betcha. Thank the Lord. <laughs> God put the ring on, and the rest, as they say, is history. There came a moment in that story, in that scene, where it was time to speak. It was time for something to be said, and then for something to be responded to that was said. It was that moment, and I was on pins and needles. I don't know about everybody else. Well, my parents were. They go, what did she say? <laughs> they were afraid I was going to get the wrong answer there. But I said, oh, we're good. We're good. But, you know, you're, you're waiting. You know something has to be said. At that moment in time, the spotlight was on her. It was decision time. Question had been asked. What is she going to say? You betcha. Those moments are coming into our lives, aren't they, on a regular basis? Those moments where there's a little nudge, a little, a, little, a little something inside that says, you know what, it's time for me to speak. And this, this reality of trying to discern when to speak, what to speak, how to speak, to whom to speak is one that is exceedingly difficult. First service, I said, how many of you have challenge trying to discern the whole speaking thing? One hand went up. So me and that one person had a great conversation last hour. So how many of you on this whole speaking thing find yourself, wow, this is a challenge. Anybody here besides me? Okay, there's a few more of us this service. Good, 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 good. Whew. And this challenge of, of, of saying things when we shouldn't, of saying things that are wrong and saying things in a way that is awful, all of this comes into play in this conversation. And it is so hard. It is so hard that when Jesus' brother, James, was writing his letter, he, he said this. He goes, you know, uh, people have, uh, have tamed horses right, bridles and all of that, and you can ride them. Uh, people, you know, can, can steer massive ships with this little bitty rudder in the back, and it can steer this whole huge ship. He says this, though, nobody can tame the tongue. Nobody can tame the tongue. And every day we are reminded over and over and over again the absolute dependence that we need to have on God to be able to speak well. And what we see in our story today is that speaking is so much more than just words. Way more than just words. And we'll, we'll unpack that here as we get into the story. So much more. And we see uh, uh, Esther. We have the king. She is the queen. Then we have Haman, who is the enemy of the Jewish people who has conspired and got the king's permission to issue a kingdom-wide edict to eliminate each and every Jewish person. So these are the three people, the main people in the story here, and they're at a banquet 
that Esther has prepared, that she has asked for, and the king has agreed to, and it's the second one, not the first one, and here they are, and, and now it's time to speak. Let's read and see what we find out, and I love, I love, I just love this about the Word of God, a story that's 2,500 years old speaks powerfully into mine and your today. Let's follow. So the king and Haman went to Queen Esther's banquet. On this second occasion, while they were drinking wine, the king again said to Esther, Tell me what you want, Queen Esther. What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it is half the kingdom. And Queen Esther replied, If I have found favor with the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my request, I ask that my life and the lives of my people will be spared. For my people and I have been sold to those who would kill, slaughter, and annihilate us. If we had merely been sold as slaves, I could remain quiet for that would be too trivial a matter to warrant disturbing the king. Who would do such a thing, King Xerxes demanded? Who would be so presumptuous as to touch you? And Esther replied, This wicked Haman is our adversary and our enemy. Haman grew pale with fright before the king and queen. The king jumped to his feet in a rage and went out into the palace garden. Haman, however, stayed behind to plead for his life with Queen Esther, for he knew that the king intended to kill him. In despair, he fell on the couch where Queen Esther was reclining, just as the king was returning from the palace garden. And the king exclaimed, Will he even assault the queen right here in the palace before my very eyes? As soon as the king spoke, his attendants covered Haman's face, signaling his doom. Then Harbona, one of the king's eunuchs, said, Haman has set up a sharpened pole that stands 75 feet tall in his own courtyard. He intended to use it to impale Mordecai, the man who saved the king from assassination. Then impale Haman on it, the king ordered. So they impaled Haman on the pole he had set up for Mordecai. And the king's anger subsided. Pretty intense turn of events in this story. The one who had plotted and schemed evil against God's people, who set a, 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 an instrument of torture and to, to kill Mordecai the Jew, ends up being killed on the very same thing he built. We find that it began, this unfolding comes to a head here actually, in this moment. Tell me what you want, Queen Esther. It's time to speak. The, the spotlight is on her. There's nobody there but the king, the queen, Haman, and obviously some of the eunuchs that served the king. And there they were. She was on center stage. And the question now was asked of her. 
And we read in verse 2 this very important phrase. On this second occasion, while they were drinking wine, the king said to Esther. Why is that significant? Well, speaking and when to speak up, and Solomon would write this, there's a time and a season for everything under heaven. He says, there's a time to be quiet, and there's a time to speak. The first banquet was the time to be quiet, not to speak. And coming to the place in our lives where we have that discernment, that ability uh, 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 and understanding and confidence to know when it is time to speak requires us to understand and be aware before that of when not to speak. That we come to a point of understanding that every thought, everything going through our minds doesn't need to be blah, come out of our, our mouths. I have this problem and, and, and I wish I didn't, but I do. And I need God's help speaking when I shouldn't speak, saying things that, that in the scope of all the information would be very different, seeing things from a place of patience and trust and, and, and seeing things in, in a very different light. And I so struggle with that. And I pray that God helps me to learn to be still when it's time to be still, to not speak when I should not speak. Consider this. What took place between the first banquet and the second banquet? You remember? In between that banquet, that night was a restless king. He couldn't sleep. He had his palace records read to him of all the things he could have asked for in his restlessness, he calls for that. And then of all the different passages that could have been read, it was the reading about Mordecai, the one who had saved his life. And as soon as he heard they had done nothing for Mordecai, he had determined in his heart to make that right. And at his door was Haman to ask him to be able to kill the very same Mordecai. And in that moment, the king asked, asked this, this Haman, he said, hey, what do, what do you do to honor somebody the king wants to, to honor? And he had this great idea, and then he looks at Haman, and he says, okay, you go do that for Mordecai the Jew. None of that is in play if Esther speaks too soon. And I was pondering that this week. And, and I can't stay there too long because God ask us to receive forgiveness and not slop, slop around in, you know, guilt. How many times have I spoke too soon and incredible things that God had in store were missed? This discernment to know when to be quiet is something that God himself must enable us to grow into because we simply cannot tame our own tongues. Elsewhere, James would write in chapter 1, verse 19, he says, so, so since this is a real issue and learning this is so important, here, here's something to help, here's some truth, he says. Be quick to listen. James 1.19, 
slow to speak, slow to become angry. Because the anger of people does not accomplish the righteous life that God desires. Quick to listen. We want to be a person who is better discerning through the Holy Spirit about when not to speak. We must become better listeners. That must be our posture. Seek first to understand, not to be understood. Take time, time to be still, to wait, to pray, to listen to God and to other people. Ask questions. Be a listener, an active listener in the scenarios and situations of your life. So many times I'll pop off at home and say something I shouldn't say to my wife because I was just simply not listening. If I would have just listened, I would have understood and heard the whole thing, right? Mm. Proverbs 18, 13, it, is, it talks about how foolish it is to speak without listening first. Mm. Verse 3, a couple more observations here. She begins her answer. Here it is. The moment of truth. It's time to speak. Spotlight is on her. What is she going to say? If I have found favor with the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my request. Pause. Here we see her demonstrating a very significant uh, reality in speaking. Again, it's not just about words. Here, she addresses the king with humility and with respect. And this is the exact words that Peter tells, talks us about in 1 Peter 13, 3.13, 3.15.16. He talks about being prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have, but do so with, guess what? Humility and respect. Oh, there's, there's something in each of us that when we're having a conversation with somebody and they're, they're talking down at us, well, didn't you think about this? Well, what about this? Well, I know, blah, 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 but obviously you didn't. What do you do? What's your response there? Even, even if that person might have a good thing to say, great piece of information, they've said it in such a way that when we walk away, we go, I don't like that guy. I don't like that gal. They're so arrogant. They're so proud. They're so, so uppity, uppity, holier than thou, right? There was no humility. And there was no respect for you as a person. It was just <laughs> too often, oh my, too often we communicate that disrespect in the way that we speak. Far, far more consistent with the person of Jesus and the commands of his word to be a person who is humble, who's respectful whenever we talk to anybody. 
In Philippians chapter 2, Paul is writing about this description, this incredible uh, 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 unpacking of the person of Jesus. And it's, it's wonderful. And we get to see that his approach towards life was one of humility, was one of sacrifice, was one of honoring the authority of the Father. And as he heads into that conversation, he makes this comment, think of others as more important than you. When it's time to speak, and whoever it is that it is time to speak to, look at them with this spirit of they are more important. And in so doing, that humility comes into play it is not a statement of saying that somebody is worth more or more valuable in the eyes of God that's not what he's saying he's saying in that moment speak to them as if they are more important than you their thoughts their feelings their wants their desires their dreams their hopes their loves their pain their sorrow their joy it's more important and when you come to them with that spirit of humility, you come to them in a way where you can truly touch heart to heart, soul to soul, in peace, in love, and in kindness. And she uses this expression, I ask, King, here it is, the request, that my life and the lives of my people will be spared from my people. And I have been sold to those who would kill, slaughter, and annihilate us. Those are the exact same words that were written on the king's edict that went all over, all over the kingdom. Kill, annihilate, and slaughter us. If we had been merely sold as slaves, I wouldn't even bring this up, king. That's not a big enough deal to bother you. But the slaughter of my people, I must speak. And I'm asking for your mercy. Humbly, it's just the right time. And she wasn't speaking just for her. See, when we're, when we're speaking, there, there is this call to speak up for others' interests. And again, Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, do not look out only for your own interests, but look out for the interests of others. Does our speak do that? Does our, does our talking, does our, when we speak, is that in play or do all anybody here when we speak is I, me, my. Me, 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 me. Or do they hear us, we, my people? Esther's heart was drawn to the entire nation of Israel. She spoke with everybody else's interests in mind. How does one cultivate that kind of language, that kind of perspective. Let me give you one way today. Serve. Serve. Serve somebody else. Serve other people. People who are serving other people are healthier 
physically, emotionally, mentally, relationally, every way, those who are involved in the interests of others, seeking their best, seeking to serve them and honor them, are by and large more healthy than those whose complete obsession is with themselves. Where are we serving? Where are we giving? As I was thinking about that today, I was reminded of many of my conversations that, I, that I've got to have in the past with some of our volunteers who serve in our friendship Bible study ministry. That's the, that ministry to our adults with disabilities. And, and when I hear them talk about that time uh, with, with these folks and I see the joy in their face and I see the tears in their eyes, and it's just, it's just Tom, it's, it changes you. They're, they're real, they're authentic. No masks, no playing games, and their joy is genuine. It's incredible. They're changed. And I'm so thankful uh, that the homes are going to be letting uh, the, the folks come again starting this fall. It's, we can get our Friendship Bible Study class back up and going. And uh, I know they would love to welcome a few more volunteers to serve. Serving. Serving positions you to be able to speak, not only for your own interests, but for the interests of others. And we come to verse 6, and the question has been asked, she's beginning to answer, my people have been sold, if the king hasn't figured out what's going on yet, he's about to, to get the whole picture. Because you see, up until this point, Queen Esther has never told him that she is Jewish. Never told him. Her adopted father, Mordecai, said, hey, keep that to yourself. And she did. But the time had come for her to speak, to be identified with her people. And she did that boldly, as we see in this particular verse, verse 6. Because you see, speaking will require courage. It's going to require courage. When it is time to speak, there are going to be moments where courage is needed. Now in that chapter, the, the way that it's kind of set up in, the, in, in, the other, in, in its original language, it, it, reads, it reads like this, and I, I think it's more profound and far more dramatic. It reads like this. This adversary in our enemy is this wicked Haman. Now, you say, well, you know, that's, boy, that guy's in a bad way. But did she know that? He's prime minister. He's the number two guy in the entire kingdom. He's wearing the king's ring. Who's to say that King Xerxes doesn't look at her and say, whoa, 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 hey, 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 Esther, you're getting a little over, you're getting a little dramatic here. You know, this is my guy. Let's, let's talk this through. And uh, go, go back to your side of the palace. Right? Who knew? Who knew? Nobody did. 
how the king would respond. She didn't know. It took courage for her to point out this guy as the one who has conspired and kind of you know, pulled a little fast one on the king just a little bit, and he's kind of making him look bad. And all of that, all these things are in play. And now the king knows that his queen, who he indeed loves, is under death sentence, and he has to come to terms with the reality she's in that place and all her people are in that place because he allowed it to happen. Who's he mad at when he storms out of the room? Himself? Amen? The situation? Probably all of the above. And out he goes. Furious. She spoke. And it required courage to do so. And how does one get to a place where there is a courageousness that's built in our heart? A confidence that's built in our heart. Jesus, as he was teaching the crowd in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, everybody all you know, concerned about, what am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? And all he says, listen, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. There is a priority to the affection and the passion of our heart. And Jesus is saying, make the kingdom of God your passion. Make the kingdom of God the desire of your heart, that it be advanced, that many people enter into it, and that you are paying attention first and foremost to that much bigger story. From Genesis to Revelation, the story of God at work, moving in such a way to ultimately culminate all of human history in the return of his son. Be attentive to that. Have your heart there. Have your mind fixed there. And in that place, you know, you know something when your mind is on the bigger story. You know God will not, he will not abandon his people. He will not forsake his purposes, his plans, or his promises. It isn't going to happen. And nothing is going to thwart the movement of God through time and all of history eternal. It won't be threatened by the things of this world and the people of this world. In my place, by faith in Christ, I'm there. I'm in that story. I will not be afraid when it's time for me to speak. And here is the question that was posed to Esther chapters ago by her adopted father. Who knows, Esther, that you weren't put in this position of queen at such a time as this? Who knows? It's not a rhetorical question. They didn't know. They didn't have an angel come and talk to them. They didn't have a prophet of God come and say, hey, this is what thus saith the Lord. They didn't know. She didn't know. Who knows? Only one knows. And what do they know? They did know the bigger story. They had the law of Moses. They knew the bigger story. God's promised one was going to come, bring redemption, salvation. He, he's, you know, all is going to culminate in the, in the kingdom of God one day. They did know that, and they, and they knew that God's purpose would not be thwarted. Mordecai said, look, Esther, and by the way, just so you know, if you don't speak, 
God is going to raise somebody up and he'll bring his salvation from someplace else. Who knows? And this, this is why this story, it, it, it really resonates with us. Now we have, that they didn't, the Holy Spirit, if we were a believer in Jesus, dwelling within us. We have the entirety of the Word of God. They didn't have that. But we still find ourselves in places and times, decisions have to be made, choices have to be, have to be chosen, and words have to be spoken. And we say, you know what, I, 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 I see that this course of action is consistent with God's word. I'm, a, I'm consulting uh, godly people, and it's consistent there in some of the things that they're saying. It, and it's consistent with the, the, the movement of, the, of, of God's spirit in my heart. And so I'm going to act. And I don't know, I don't know, I haven't had an angel talk to me. Who knows? But because I know God is at work in both the seen and in the unseen, that I know that his providential hand is moving all of human history to the end of Revelation, because I know all of those things, it puts me in a predisposition, a bias towards action and courage. Because who knows? This may be God moving in a powerful way, and I don't want to miss it. And so I act. I speak and she spoke and her people her people's enemy was destroyed at the end of that that story and yet the problem still remains but that's a conversation for future weeks speaking is about so much more than words I'm going to be a person who is speaking well I know when to be quiet I'm a person who's going to be speaking well. Uh, I, it, it will come to others in such a way that they know that I value them and I respect them. When I am speaking to others, it won't be just about me. It's going to be about others. Not just my own interests, but the interests of others. And when I speak, it's going to be coming from a place of courage and faith growing out of my passionate pursuit of the kingdom of God that creates that bias for action. Here we go. Who knows? Who knows? It looks like this could be a movement of God. Amen. Amen. Lord, I thank you for the wonder of your word and the power that it has to transform us from the inside out through the power of your Holy Spirit. And God, in an honest moment, all of us would acknowledge that we do have indeed a speaking problem. We aren't able to control our tongues. I pray that you would help us that you would enable us to grow and to mature to be a more accurate reflection of our Savior Jesus. In his name, amen.